From January 2000 until the end of July 2019, 47 people lost their lives in the mining and quarrying industry in Queensland, Australia. That's an average of 2.4 fatalities per year, or 12 fatalities for every five-year period. What's causing these fatalities? Is it that the mining industry is inherently hazardous? Or is it bad luck? Or is it human error? This is the Brady Haywood Podcast, a show about failures and disasters. On the show, we examine the technical, human and organisational causes of failure, and we explore why our decision-making is not nearly as rational as we think. I'm your host, Sean Brady. This episode of the Brady Haywood Podcast is a little different. Today, we're going to talk about a review we undertook into fatalities in the mining and quarrying industry in Queensland, Australia. And we're going to ask the question, what really causes fatalities? And how do you go about preventing them? So this episode is a little different. But given that we've just spent the last three episodes on the Pike River disaster, I thought we'd change gears a little. Now we're going to stay with the subject of mining, but we're not going to examine a specific failure or disaster in detail. Instead, we're going to take a much more overarching look at some of the findings from a review we completed in early 2020. Now you may already be aware, but in addition to the Brady Haywood podcast, there's also Brady Haywood The Firm. And in early 2020, we completed a review called The Brady Review. Now, if you're not familiar with this review, it examined what caused 47 fatalities in the Queensland mining and quarrying industry between the year 2000 and 2019. You'll hear about the background to this review in a moment, but what we're going to do in this episode is step through some of these findings. And we're going to focus on what caused these fatalities. Now, whether or not you're involved in mining or if you're in some other high-hazard industry, what you'll hear today may challenge how you believe people get killed in these industries. Before we begin, I want you to ask yourself a few questions and then keep your answers in mind as you step through this episode. So the first thing I want you to ask yourself is, how do people die in mining? What do you believe causes these fatalities? And the second thing I want you to think about is, What is the role of chance and human error in these fatalities? In other words, how many of them are caused by bad luck, like someone being in the wrong place at the wrong time, or by someone making mistakes at work? For example, here are a few one-line descriptions of some fatal incidents in Queensland. A plant operator was fatally injured after becoming entangled in a conveyor. A rigger was fatally injured when struck by a heavy load which fell from an overhead crane while being lifted. Now, I think when you hear these brief descriptions, you may feel, and I think many people will feel, that bad luck and human error must have played a big role. But is that the whole story? So to begin, let's step back and take a broader look at how this review was undertaken. So the review was announced in July 2019 by Anthony Lynham, the Minister for Natural Resources and Mining in Queensland, Australia. 
and the announcement was made because a fatality occurred on the 7th of July 2019. Now, in the previous 12 months before that, five other fatalities occurred. So this meant that in a 13-month period, six people died in the Queensland mining and quarrying industry. It was these fatalities occurring over a short time that sparked the minister to announce the review. So our scope was to examine the last 20 years in Queensland mines and quarries from January 2000 to July 2019 and determine why 47 people had died over this time period. The review also had to examine how the mining and quarrying industry could improve and how the mines inspectorate could do better. So we started that work in July 2019 and worked on the review for over six months. Our report was then tabled in Queensland Parliament in February 2020. So, very quickly, how did we go about this review? Well, we examined a whole range of data. We looked at the 47 fatalities in detail, and I'll come back to how we did that in a moment. We also analysed incident data relating to around 40,000 incidents that had been reported to the regulator. Some of these incidents were known as serious accidents, where people were admitted to hospital for treatment. Some of them were known as high potential incidents, incidents that either hurt or kill someone, or were near misses. In other words, they had the potential to hurt someone, but didn't on this occasion. So we examined a lot of data. We also talked to a lot of people in the industry to understand what they felt were the issues relating to fatalities. So if you're interested in reading the review, we've included a link to the report in the show notes. Now, in addition to the report, we also put together a separate six-part podcast series called Rethinking Safety, and we put a link to it in the show notes too. In this series, we went and interviewed 13 people from the mining industry, the regulator and the union, as well as experts in safety. And we spliced all of these interviews together, so it became a discussion of not only the review findings, but also a much broader chat on the challenges that lie ahead for the mining industry. And I think if you enjoy the Brady Hayward podcast, you'll also enjoy Rethinking Safety. So please check it out. So that was the review and the podcast series. Now, as I said, we're only going to talk about a very small part of this review. We're going to focus on the causes of the 47 incidents that resulted in a fatality. Let's start with a broad overview of these fatalities. 14 of them occurred underground and 33 of them occurred on the surface. So 70% of the fatalities occurred on the surface. All of the 47 were single fatality events. There were no multi-fatality events. So all 47 were very different to what happened at Pike River, where 29 fatalities occurred in what was essentially one incident. Now, of the 47, there were some broad categories. And it's worth quickly mentioning some of these categories. 15 fatalities were related to vehicle incidents, of which five were pedestrians who were hit. 12 were workers caught in or struck by machinery. 10 were due to rockfalls or ribfalls in mines. 4 were falls from height, with none of the deceased wearing fall arrest equipment. And 4 were killed due to tyre explosions that occurred while people were working on these tyres. How did these fatalities occur? What caused them? And by caused them, I mean what factors came together and contributed to the incident? Well, before we talk about that, 
I think it's helpful to take a step back first and talk about how we analyse the information relating to each of these fatalities. So when each of these fatalities occurred, it was investigated by the regulator. The regulator then produced what's called a nature and cause report for each fatality. These reports were quite long and they contained a lot of information. So how did we take all this information and reduce it down so that we could study it? Well, we decided to represent each fatality on a single A4 page in the form of a causal diagram. So what is a causal diagram? Well, we're going to talk about them in detail, but if you'd like to see an example of one now, we've placed a link to it in the show notes, so feel free to go and look at that. But a causal diagram is essentially a flowchart. It's a flowchart that allows you to see on a single A4 page the key factors that contributed to a particular fatality. And in the flowchart, we visually separated these key factors into four categories. Physical causes, causes related to individuals, causes related to supervision, and organisational causes. In all, we produced 47 causal diagrams and we published 43 of them in the report. The reason why we didn't publish four of the more recent causal diagrams was out of sensitivity to the families of the deceased or because of the potential for enforcement actions. And I would encourage you, if you do work in a high-hazard industry and if you read nothing else in this report, go and have a look at these causal diagrams. Now, they do make for distressing reading, so please be aware of that. And they're included in Appendix B of the report, beginning on page 92. They're a powerful source of information that you can use as training tools in your organisation to spark discussion of what can go wrong in practice and kill people. Now, how do you read them? The way you read these diagrams is you start in the box in the bottom left-hand corner. This has the details of the fatality. From the bottom left-hand corner, you move upwards and towards the right along the flowchart lines, which show you all the causative factors that contributed to the incident. So in terms of understanding what's causing these fatalities, it's really useful to step through one of these diagrams. Now, you don't need the diagram in front of you as we chat about it, but if you are interested in following along, then this causal diagram is on page 97 of the report, and we've added a link to this page in the show notes. The fatality we'll be discussing is about a worker who suffered fatal injuries after making contact with moving parts of a conveyor. So how did this incident happen? Well, as you heard, the worker made contact with moving parts of the conveyor. And there were two reasons why this happened. One reason was because there were no guards fitted to prevent them doing so. Why were there no guards fitted? Well, it would turn out that the design of the fixed crushing plant didn't specify guarding to be fitted where the incident took place. And in addition to it not being specified, there was rushed construction of the plant, and this was due to pressure to meet production requirements. Now, if you think about these causes, they're all organisational causes. So a lack of guards was one reason the fatality occurred. The second reason the fatality occurred was because the worker went to investigate a noise from the fixed plant and to get it operational again. So they essentially attempted to undertake some ad hoc maintenance of the plant. Now, why would a worker expose themselves to a hazard like this? Well, there were multiple reasons they did so, relating to the training the worker received, the lack of supervision they had, as well as a whole range of organisational causes. 
So let's step through them. Firstly, the worker hadn't been trained in maintenance of the plant. But in addition to that, there were no maintenance procedures for the fixed plant either. And in the absence of training procedures, the worker didn't undertake any risk assessment before they carried out the task. Secondly, the worker was young and inexperienced and they were working unsupervised. There was no one there to prevent them placing themselves in danger. So while this fatality initially looks like it was a worker who placed themselves in harm's way, we see a whole range of factors that led to the fatality, including supervision and organisational factors. And if you look through the other causal diagrams in the report, you'll see this type of story over and over again. One of the striking things is that there are many, many boxes in each of the causal diagrams. Fatalities rarely occur because just one thing goes wrong. Key takeaway from the review is that fatalities typically occur because of a combination of mundane, everyday, straightforward factors. And I think this is confronting. Because as human beings, we tend to expect a linear relationship between cause and effect. A bad effect of fatality must have a really bad cause. There must be a big smoking gun. But we didn't find that. Many things need to go wrong. And in plenty of the cases, the things that went wrong were a failure of the controls that were put in place to prevent injuries and fatalities. So if we go to Risk Management 101 here, you identify the hazards and put controls in place to manage them. But in the review, we saw that in many of the fatalities, the controls that were meant to manage the hazard were either absent or ineffective. And in some cases, it was obvious that these controls had been absent or ineffective for some time. Now, the interesting thing about this finding is it's not limited to the Queensland mining and quarrying industry. It's very consistent with how incidents occur in many industries. And to illustrate this point, I want to go to a quote from James Reason. Now, you heard a quote from James Reason in the last episode when we spoke about normalisation of deviance and how this normalisation reduces people's perception of risk. In this quote here, Reason is talking about the causes of accidents. And just a heads up, when Reason talks about barriers and defences, he's essentially referring to controls. So, Regarding the causes of accidents, Reason says, It was gradually becoming apparent that accidents in well-defended systems arose from a concatenation of many different factors arising from all levels of the organisation. The defining feature of such an organisational accident was that these latent systemic conditions, in combination with local triggers, opened up a brief window of accident opportunity through the system's barriers, controls and safeguards, allowing the local hazards to come into damaging contact with people or assets. And this is exactly what we found in the mining and quarrying industry. So let's circle back to the beginning of the episode when you asked yourself two questions. The first was, what do you believe causes these fatalities? 
And the answer to that question is that the causes were typically the result of a combination of mundane, everyday, straightforward factors. And one of the really important words in that sentence is combination. Many of the incidents showed significant and unintended interactions between factors across various levels in the mine site. Many were preventable, and there was rarely a single cause. There were few smoking guns. Which brings us to the second question. What is the role of chance and human error in these fatalities? And the answer to this should be starting to become obvious. Yes, we saw what looks like bad luck in some fatalities. And yes, we certainly saw human error. But it was a failure of many of the controls in the system that allowed this bad luck or human error to culminate in a fatality. Going back to the words of James Reason, it was the latent systemic conditions in combination with the local triggers, in this case bad luck or human error, that caused the incident. If the latent systemic conditions didn't exist, in other words, if the system didn't have these vulnerabilities, then the incident may have been avoided. And we saw these latent systemic conditions in the fatality we just discussed. Not only the failure to provide guards on the conveyor, but also the failure in the training of the worker to recognise the hazard and the failure to ensure adequate supervision was in place. So what does this all mean? Well, here are a few takeaways. Humans will make mistakes and errors because we are fallible. In this review, we found that it was generally not the mistake or error in and of itself that caused the fatality. It was a failure of the system. One of the most important things we can do when it comes to thinking about the causes of fatalities is to stop thinking about fatalities in terms of human error alone. This is often what tends to happen. When an incident occurs, human error gets blamed. Now, I'm not saying that we don't hold people accountable. But if an incident occurs and only human error is identified as the cause, then we miss the opportunity to identify the weaknesses in the system that allowed that human error to culminate in serious harm. And if we don't identify these system weaknesses, they will remain in the system, lying in wait for the next fallible human being to come along. As Jim's reason says, you cannot change the human condition, but you can change the conditions in which humans work. If you'd like to learn a whole lot more about preventing fatalities in high hazard industries, then be sure and check out our Rethinking Safety podcast. In it, we go into more detail on the fatalities, but we also talk about how organizations drift into failure, why reports of hazards and incidents going up can be a good thing, and we talk about the next step for the Queensland mining and quarrying industry, adopting the principles of what are known as high reliability organizations. You've been listening to the Brady Haywood Podcast, where we examine the technical, human, and organizational causes of failure explore why our decision-making is not nearly as rational as we think. Join me on the first of each month for our next episode. So you don't miss out, you can subscribe to the show on your podcast app now. 
And if you enjoyed the show, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. This podcast was produced by Brady Haywood, a firm that specializes in forensic engineering and the investigation of incidents, defects, and failures in the mining and construction sectors. If you'd like to speak to us, you can find more information on our website, bradyhaywood.com.au. I'm your host, Sean Brady. Thanks for listening.